0: So now it's time for a word from our sponsor. And as you know, our sponsor is courageously helping us to keep our show going here. So it's wendyslimited.com. Wendy's Limited.com. So Wendy's Limited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com has all the hottest new styles and couture trends and latest boutique women's apparel and shoes and heels and flats and all kinds of just wonderful stuff. You have hives and honey a jewelry armoire to the a favorite lately and we have of course Windsor crystal uh, lamps I have one uh, one in stock in particular that has been a favorite so Wendy'sLinit.com is always open to help you get everything you need some Prada purse that we uh, saw that that Wendy's Limited just put up so we have to think who out there wants to get incredible Prada fashion couture you know that um, from what I hear they're a favorite of many many ladies out there many women all over the place in fact I think you cannot find a single family member or Wife, or sister, or aunt, or grandmother, or loved one, or girlfriend, or what have you, that uh, does not love Prada purses, so if you want to be totally awesome, you have to eventually come to grips with wendyslimited.com. Wendy's Boutique Limited has all the hottest new styles and latest women's apparel, everything you need to be totally awesome. If you're a woman, or if you have a woman who is someone that you love and of course we all love women because they're just so awesome that's why wendyslimited.com is so successful so go check out Wendy's Boutique wendyslimited.com is the only place to go and we have to recommend she's been totally awesome to us and generous, so we are always going to be buying our jewelry, fine jewelry, gold gold and silver jewelry and all of our best boutique, couture and designer trends are, we're going to go to wendyslimited.com, so check out Wendy's Boutique Limited. So as we carry on, we're showing you the news. You want some news? Here's some news. And some information? Here's some information. Of course, we're having these, these uh populist nationalists, that's what they're calling themselves. That's what they're trying to get us to call ourselves. I'm not gonna call myself a populist nationalist. That's what they did in Germany. That's what they did in the Weimar Republic after Hitler it wasn't a republic anymore, right? Straight up hardcore, hard tyranny. Goose stepping around, right? Using all the, the high advanced scientific and engineering prowess and uh, superiority of the German people at the time to create a war machine to just just annihilate uh, everyone and, and to ultimately continue the Holy Roman Inquisition, right? So, so, so it's what they did when they would roll out for the uh, the Crusades. They would always stop along the way and do some pogroms, you know, kill kill some, wipe out some communities of Jews, right? Fucking Christ killers, right? Isn't that what the whole attitude of, of Romanism is towards the Jews and has been before Islam? I mean, we're talking about go back to 580 AD before Islam. Right? Islam didn't even exist. Got the, the the Crusaders marching around, slaughtering Jews all around Europe. Little communities of Jews. Go look it up. It's something they would do uh, before they would uh, set themselves to go and get annihilated by the. And as they would, you know, eventually march down. And go down to um, 100 years later, right? They would eventually have to go and fight the, the Muslim armies. To try to free Jerusalem from the, the grip of the caliph. And of course, they were routed and destroyed. The, the Crusader armies were absolutely annihilated. The Templar Knights were sent packing. Their, their, their whole reason for existing was to protect Jerusalem. And they couldn't do it. So by, you know, 1001, you're right? 1002, 1003... AD, you can see that uh, the Templars are, are no more in Jerusalem. And they're going to make you know, fight hard ultimately to get it back. By World War One, they did. By World War One, the Ottoman Empire is destroyed. General Allenby, I believe, marches or actually he, he wants to be a, he doesn't want to be a conquer. He wants he wants to be seen historically as a pilgrim and he's entering in as a faithful Roman Catholic. Uh, into the conquest of Jerusalem and the Holy City in World War I, brought back into the, the hands of the papacy. All right? And that's where it's been ever since. That's why you have these, this constant contention between the Israelites in the land and the Palestinian people, or whatever that is. Like we've, we've said before, Palestine is just a, a fake, a fraudulent pseudonym created by the emperors of Rome long ago. When they, uh, 70 AD, when Titus would go in and destroy Jerusalem and uh, conquer the city and take it over for Rome, and, and the people were butchered and raped and murdered. Millions. A couple, two million maybe. The entire temple of God was thrown down. The fire was so hot that it melted the gold in the temple and it just all fell over. Ever since then, that conquest of Jerusalem, the Roman emperors renamed to the land Philistina. And Philistina just means Philistine right? Palestine, the Philistines, right? By giving the land back over to Goliath and his Philistine armies. David killed Goliath, remember? The Canaanites were wiped out. The Philistines were routed out. The Jesuites at the time, they were, they were killed and run off. The Jebusites, right? On and on. All the different Edomites. Everyone in the area of Canaan that was not supposed to be there was destroyed by the people of Israel, the Israelites, the people of God. They drove them out. They sent them packing. Well, the Babylonian conquest of of, of Israel was restored. It was uh, renewed and revived when Rome came in under Titus. Destroyed the entire city and the land. Salted the land so that you couldn't have any more growing of crops in the area. Right, Just completely destroyed it and renamed it after their mortal enemies. The the Philistines, right? So Palestine and the Palestinians in the area, who are all constantly, who are various Arabic people and maybe um, uh, you know, they have Egyptian family bloodline, Coptic Egyptian family bloodlines there around, uh, around Jerusalem. Palestine, if you will. Fascinating, right? Brings back the, the old war between King David and, uh, and, and Goliath and the Philistines and the Israelites. And that's what rome has accomplished since the period of you know 1910 1920 during the world uh, world war 1 when they regained control uh, destroyed ultimately had their the 12th crusade or 13th crusade or however, however many however many crusades you want to count up historically these these knights knights of malta knights of the, the templar knights who are, who are there, they're there right they're there they're, they're there behind the scottish right they're there behind the Templar orders of the occult societies. You can't see them, but they're there. They survived. It's evidence everywhere. The knighthood orders. They serve the Pope. All right, that's why you get divine right of kings. All right? That's why you get knighthoods and royalty. You know, the knights of the garter. All right? Well, they're just papal knights upholding the nobility, upholding the noble bloodlines, upholding the, the right of kings and noblemen to rule over the common people who are just mutts and slurry. Right? We're just worthless mud, mud blood, right? (laughs) We don't have any meaning in that system of nobility. But here in America, when we fought our revolution, we rejected nobility. We said that every man here is a nobleman. Every man here is a king in his own front door, or in his own tent, or his own little cobblestone drive, or wherever wherever we are. We are individuals, we are sovereign men, we're sovereign citizens. It's not that each individual is a sovereign. But the whole citizenry, the whole citizenship is sovereign. So don't, don't get screwed up by the FBI uh, manuals that are trying to, to to try to get these sovereign citizen idiots to kind of go and, and overstep and, and violate laws. We're saying that the citizenry, all of us here in America, are the sovereign. And we vote and we decide. And of course, in order to overthrow that, we have to have a various, you know, the dominion of various voting machines who will come in and and, you know, technically... Technocratically uh, water down and 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 digitally corrupt the vote so much that they can just declare the winner. They can select instead of elect. Right? That's what these. That's what all this technocracy has done. It's got has them in the ability to technically, under a default, overwrite, and override our democratic sovereignty as a people. Right? And part of that is due to the fact that we're under debt. We're under so much debt, we can't maintain our sovereignty. And due to the part of this fact that we've now gone into this place where the states, who are the, the nations of America, the United States, or the United countries and the United peoples of America, are now completely subordinated and imprisoned and enslaved under the Imperium of Washington, D.C. and the, the war powers commander-in-chief, the emergency war powers, executive orders, presidency, right? The dictator. It's a technical dictatorship, guys. Joe Biden goes up there and writes on a piece of paper, whatever they tell him, and then uh, they, they all obey it. They all obey, cause that's what that's what London wants. That's what the Vatican wants. They don't want the populist democratic system of people who are fighting for their nation. So I don't, wanna, I don't make it populist nationalism and try to make it some kind of Nazi thing. Yeah, that's what Steve is trying to do. He's to sweep us all into this radical, reactionary, Republican, uh, you know, Nazi, fascist group. We're not going to do it. I don't know what's wrong with Trump. I don't know why he didn't fight. I don't know why he put Bill Barr in there and all those other people who betrayed him. I don't know why he didn't fight and fire his FBI director when he saw there was problems from day one. I don't know why you know, Donald Trump didn't put on his big boy nut sack and go in there and run the presidency. He, he's, he was battered the entire time. He looked like a real big, strong, you know, uh, you know, leader. And then after they were done with him, they sent him home and he, he flew away. And he looked like a little boy. And they had the QAnon. The QAnon, you know. There was a CIA. was running, like, color uh, revolutions. You know, they were running renditions on the American people. It was like QAnon, you know. Oh, it, we're going to go in. And that, that's what led to the uh, January 6th. That's what led to all the FBI guys who were all there ready for you to come in and push you into this huge conflagration against... The supposed power of America, you know, against the people's house or whatever. They set this whole surrection up and Trump was right there, you know, in, you know, being part of that. So I, I don't know how we vote for him again. I mean, I don't know how this, we to do it for DeSantis. Come on, man. These people are just, they're the friends and the, uh, the benefactors of the elite. And they're pushing us into this forcefully into this direction that we don't want to go we don't need to go so we as americans have to learn all this the democrat fascists and the democrat totalitarians who are trying to transgender us into a civil war push us through all this debauchery in the the, the literal hands-on molestation of your children in the classroom they're doing their best to get the people to wig out and they're our enemies and the republicans on the other side Mitch McConnell, Cocaine Mitch, right? Can you look it up, guys? Yeah, the Republicans are also Papists, a lot of them. They're they're also connected with the elites. They're also partners, and they're elites that are captured by the CCP also, guys. So check it out. We need to recognize that there's a uniparty system there, and whichever one we vote for, it's just going to further our disaster and our catastrophe even more. And so now they have allowed this eruption of this like literal virulent infection, right? It's a societal infection where they have this millions of people in, in running over. If you had millions of bacterias running into your bloodstream every single day, you wouldn't survive it. Unless you had a way to clean the bacteriums out and have some kind of a- 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 antibody response in your system. Well, so- well, socially and civilly and politically, we don't have any kind of way of maintaining our border or maintaining our society with this onrush of the illegal... And these these people aren't just, you know, coming in to be migrant workers uh, and work in the fields for the summer and make money and leave. These are people are coming here with criminal intent. And when they get here and they take our jobs and they send all of our money back home and they're up in our lifts and taking our industrial work and they're... In our manufacturing positions, they're going to continue the fentanyl trade. They're going to, get to continue the cartel, uh, you know, onslaught. They're going to continue the agenda of, of this of, of, by which they arrived here illegally. They're going to continue their illegal criminal agenda when they get here. So, not like getting here to be our friends and to be part of American society, they're here to overrun it at the, at the behest of the priests and the Jesuit uh, social liberation. Theology teachers down there. We're telling them, oh, you know, get rid of these, get rid of these uh Putos, right? That's what they that's what they call us when they get up here. We're putos. Mama Pichu. That's what they call you if you see you. Go on the construction job and go around these these individuals, these lowlifes who are taking selfies as they do all the drywall, you know, and or do it at painting, whatever menial tasks they're here to do. They're taking pictures of themselves as if they won the lottery. So, you know. If you're not able to stick up for your own society, and I'm not talking about just white people, I'm talking about all the people who came here legally, who loved America, who put their hand up in the air and swore allegiance, they were coming here to escape the criminal cartel culture down there. And now these morons up in Washington, D.C., these papists and Roman Catholic Jesuit uh, worshipers like Biden and Steve Bannon, I mean, unless Steve Bannon does something to separate himself from that vile church, I mean, is it a church? That's what you guys call it when you conduct your rituals. But they used to call you Roman ritualists. And then over here was the Protestant church and you were the Roman ritualists. Just look it up. So I don't know how you became a church. I don't know how you kind of take that word. We're a Roman church. Okay, whatever, man. You're a Roman establishment of occult ritualism. That's been around for thousands of years, but you're not here to, to benefit America. And so if you're all confused and now you're Roman Catholic, that's your problem, man. You're all confused. But your, your religion makes you part of the, uh, of the ideological push of the invaders. Your religion of Rome makes you part and parcel and partner with the cartel mur- uh, uh, murderers. Those who are mixing the fentanyl batches, they're on your team, Roman Catholics. They're here to destroy Protestant America. And if, and if Catholic America gets a little bit destroyed in there, they don't care. They don't care. Right? That's not the problem. They're here just to overturn historically... What was a constitutional republic, not a populist, Nazi or populist nationalist movement, or whatever Steve Bannon's talking about? What are you trying to drive us into? That's not what we are. We're American constitutional re- we're Protestants. We're part of the Reformation. We're, the, we're, we're America is a, a consequence of the Reformation of the Gutenberg printing press. Although they hated that, Oh, that was technology, it's printing out pages of the Bible faster than we can burn them. We have our monks in here uh, copying the canon law letter by letter. And uh, that's the only technology we need to proliferate, you know, the the, the, the supposed sacred writ. No, we have the sacred writ of the King James Bible mass-produced mechanically with the Gutenberg printing press, and that was the work of God. So the syllabus of errors and all that, <laughs> you're a moron. And the people that are gonna drive this move of AI to be an annihilation of the people of the world, the people who are going to push that forward and come up with a Roman Catholic AI, that's going to be you guys. It's going to be your problem over there. There's people here in America who are planting their gardens and and who are washing their horses and who are milking their cows, who are planting their their pasture lands and their fields with new crops. They're not into your AI and they're not into your uh, Santa Claus worship and they're not into your whole papal agenda. Okay, Because your papal agenda is designed to neuter the American people cut them off from their relationship with their actual god and their bible and their sacred writings that established this place right even alexander hamilton understood completely the bible and the scriptures and the difference between the protestant reformation and the catholic roman catholic jesuit counter-reformation so you have all these jesuits all these georgetown graduates yale graduates right ivy league wait isn't ivy isn't that evergreen isn't that boughs of holly the same thing as ivy, right? It's just evergreen, just like your Christmas tree, your pine tree. You bring it in your house. It's it's ivy. It's Ivy League. Your evergreen league. Okay, just let's make it all one thing. This is all just part and parcel of the old Roman system of paganism. That's what makes you Ivy League. That's what makes your boughs of holly. That would squeeze you Hollywood. Oh, holly, that was. That was the kind of, of wood that magicians use in their wands. Oh, like Harry Potter? Like Hollywood? Like boughs of holly up on your wall? Like your wreaths? That's all you guys. That's all you. You're doing that. You're doing Hollywood. You're doing magical incantations. You're doing ritualism. You're doing evergreen trees. You're bringing in as symbols of Babylon. Symbols of, of Tammuz reborn. That's the Satanism. That's, the, that's the, the history of, of the occult Freemasonic lore. That's the legend. The legend is, is that Nimrod, the Tammuz, was reborn. and He became the sun god. That's where you get Mithraism. That's where you get all this. That's where you get Roman pantheon uh, religion and the worship of Isis and all this. So, excuse me for just separating myself from all of this wickedness and trying to teach you also to do it. Separate yourself. No more Hollywood. No more transgender magic sorcery. No more boughs of holly worshiping the winter solstice. Get over yourself. Get over the false traditions your grandparents taught you and start to lean and cling to God. Go to the Bible. Go see if George Washington ever celebrated uh, these Christmas rites over time. He became a Protestant. He was a British officer and eventually he became a Protestant. He was saved. He was baptized by Pastor Reverend Gannow, Baptist preacher John Gannow, G-A-N-O. He was the one who baptized George Washington. When he, he, You can't be baptized as an infant. You don't even know what happened. It doesn't have any meaning. You didn't choose it. He later chose by pa- Pastor Gannow George Washington, to become a Baptist, to become a Protestant, and to be baptized. After that happened, that changed his life. It's going to change your life, too, when it happens to you. It's going to change America when it happens to you what happens to us when we're all in this together and we're now, the deception is lifted, the truth is here it's time for you to embrace that truth it's not easy to unaddict yourself and uncoil the lies from around your neck and waist and that are t- taking you down but these religious this cult inculcation this ritualist system of deception it's all candy canes and Christmas trees and, and, and false light False lights lit up at night. Oh, it's so pretty. False lights at midnight, right? These are the kind of things. This is Lucis. This is Luciferian. And I'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you and have to call, cause you to cause and call, call into question all the things that you've held to be dear and true. But if you're not holding the right values to be dear and true, if you're not holding the right tenets and the right doctrines of the Bible to be right and true, then you're in deception. There's lots of really faithful Muslims out there who really believe in the five pillars of Islam and who really believe in Allah as hard as they can every day. They, they beat themselves against the wall, believing, believing. But it's a lie. So just because you believe as hard as you can in your false doctrine doesn't mean that it's true. I'm trying to bring to you the light. Open your eyes and see it, embrace it. And also you, Steve Bannon, here in this burning ring of fire, we'll tell you that uh, you're the one who's endangered by rings of fire, sir. If you won't repent, turn away from this false religion of Rome, even if your parents taught you and inculcated and indoctrinated with you since you were young, that's no excuse. Now you're being told the gospel of Jesus Christ is against Rome. It always has been. It's against the Imperator of Rome. And it always has been. Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach is against the Imperator of Rome. He's against the papacy. He said, there is no Father on earth. There's only your Father in heaven. He was talking about the Antichrist. He held up the coin. He said, whose face is on this? Caesar's. Pontifex Maximus. The, the Pope's face is on this coin of this euro, right? Right now you have euros. And you go look on some of these euros and you have the Pope's face. You have Caesar's face on there. It's Antichrist. Wake up. Begin to see it. I pray that God will cause the things, the, the crust and the... The junk and the blockage that's in your eye, the plank in your eye, I, I ask the Lord to just remove that so that you can see clearly. As we go forward, we're going to do our level best to show you these different aspects of this fight. And I'm not sure how, how when you're raised as a Roman Catholic from birth, as a baby, from an infant, one, two, three, four, you're already in your... Uh, in your catechism and you're being brought in, you don't have a chance to intellectually develop and to decide this is what I think is the truth. You've just been brainwashed your whole life. You've been inculcated and inundated with it forever. So you don't have the ability to step aside and be like, maybe Christ is outside of this. Maybe, maybe Christ is not in this. Maybe when they do the transubstantiation and the sorcery where they supposedly turn the little bread into the real body of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking a piece of his skin and I'm eating it right now and it somehow saves me. Somehow that doctrine is is unclean and it's unsubstantiated and it's untrue. Because when Christ said, this is my body and this is my blood, he was saying it over the Passover Seder. Because they were going to eat the lamb. They were going to eat the bread of the Seder. They were going to drink the wine and the cup of the Seder. He said, this is my body. This Passover meal that you're breaking bread on, this is my body. So now they made it some kind of like Last Supper thing. No, no. Christ wasn't having a Last Supper. He was having Passover people. He was the Passover lamb. He said, I am the Passover lamb. So as a Catholic, as a Romanist who's bent on this doctrine of the priest, it's there to replace christianity and replace protestantism and replace the bible with all these false ideas you, you miss out on the true message of christ you miss out on the true explication of his symbolism and of his teaching you're not going to go into some roman mass and have a piece of bread that was magically transformed into his body because you're not reading the book you have some do false translation if you go into the proto-evangelicon which is the original gospel in Genesis. The Dewey Rames comes from the Latin Vulgate, what we call the vulgar, the vulgar Babylonian-influenced interpretations of the scripture, which were much different than the Greek Textus Receptus, which were just totally accurate verbatim translations. The Latin Vulgate is a disgusting, reprobate perversion of the scriptures. And if you go back to the proto-evangelicon in the scriptures where it said that out of out of the lineage of man would would come a savior and his foot and his heel would crush the head of the serpent. That's the prophecy. Believe it or don't believe it. That's what it says. It says that one would come from, um, a man would come forward and crush the head of the serpent. But of course, the Dewey Reims has to uplift the goddess and has to uplift the um, Pachi Mama, Isis version of occult history, which is exactly what the theosophists like alice bailey and blavatsky right helena p blavatsky right they loved the latin the vulgar latin vulgate because it uplifted the the feminine matrix of goddess worship right so it says that in the in the latin vulgate and in the dewey rames it's going to say that that Mary is going to come forward, and her heel will crush the head of the serpent. They I mean, show that in all their their statuary and their artwork. It shows Mary sitting in the crescent moon, like Isis, and when, and her head is crushing the 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 head of the serpent. Okay, that that's the Dewey Rams That's the false perversion and the hermetic, the in, inverted hermeneutic of the Roman system. It inverts and turns upside down the entire gospel. Makes it all about Mary. They're all praying to Mary. Mary, mother of God. So God has a mother now, right? So, and then you go to Islam, and then over there in Islam, they're praying to the, the holy virgin uh, of Mary, right? Christ is just, he, he's not really in there. Uh, you know, nobody else is really important, but Mary, Islam focuses on Mary, right? It's the same thing going on there, guys. It's the same inspiration. It's the same syncretism. It's the same system of occult indoctrination that's coming in there and changing Christianity into something else. Changing changing into some kind of Santa Claus thing with reindeer and all that. No, I'm sorry. December 25th, Santa Claus, Last Supper's, bread being turned into the body and blood of Christ. All, All this Roman Catholic sorcery is inadequate. It's incomplete, and it's a deceptive lie. It's going to destroy your soul and that of your children. So it's time for you to embrace the... Texas Receptus, I know I just did a little search there and it's, there's, there's some internet uh, bullshit about how the Dewey rheims is from the Texas Receptus, that is a lie. The King James Version is from the Greek, from the Texas Receptus. Dewey rheims is from the Latin Vulgate. They're totally separate, they're totally at odds, and they're totally opposed. Okay, This is just the way it is. So if you don't understand these interpretations and these translations of Scripture then you're not really in this debate. You're not really in this intellectual competition that we're having here. You're not really involved. You don't really know anything. That's really the problem with a lot of these uh, Roman Catholics with their Dewey Rames uh, false Bibles. They they think they have the scriptures. They think they have the gospel. And they think that they have the church of God. But they don't. They have the system of Antichrist. It looks like Christ, but it's Antichrist. It looks like the religion of Jesus, but it's opposed to him. And it's everything. The system of Rome is everything that Christ taught against all in one, everything, even the entire political system of Rome has now been amalgamized into this Roman church. You know, this is the exact people that pinned them on, on their execution machine, right? Their execution machinery of the crucifixion of the cross, all Roman. So when you see Christ, t- says, take up your cross and follow me. He's not saying take up your cross and become one with Rome and join Roman ritualism as it, as it tries to take my entire message and make it their own and tries to keep me up on that cross as like some kind of dead guy. You go into Roman church, you know, you're in there when you see some dead guy up there on uh, you know, bl- bleeding on the, on the Roman crucifix and the Roman execution machinery. That's Rome, dude. That's you. That's, that's all what's sucking your soul out. That's what's making your money empty and valueless. It's what's, you know, pushing these people over your border and destroying your country. It's what's causing your skin color to be all of a sudden a political, hyper political controversy. Doesn't matter what color it is. Look at your skin tone right now. You look at it. It's, you're controversial. You're, you're problematic, right? No matter what. And then into that mess, they're pushing millions and millions of illegal immigrants who are the lowest criminal scumbags of the world. And they're kind of come over here. They can't speak English. They're not going to. And they're here to just ruin your civilization for you. That's Rome.
1: That gets a lot of... Um press or news, but actually there's an appetite for it. I think a lot of the states want um, what I want for the internet, which is an internet that is based upon user control. And I think with minors, that means parental control. And it's amazing how with the internet, technology has smashed so many expectations that people think it's fine for for their children to essentially create contracts with these social media companies they take their their personal information they they give them legal um, requirements and 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 um, legal obligations all without parental knowledge or consent um, and so this is something very new very different and we've sort of accepted it for the last ten years and um, so um, I, a lot of people have been saying this is not the right way to go um, and I worked with Jean um, Twenge, who's a leading social um, psychologist at, at um, the uh, San Diego State University, who's worked in demonstrating the um, emotional and psychological harm that social media has has imposed upon our children. Um, I've worked with Bill Bullock's for the um, Institute for Family Studies at UVA, and uh, Claire Morrell, um, who works at the um, Ethics and Policy Center in Washington, D.C., and we came up with a report of, of some suggestions of, of how the states um, can actually give more power to parents, because, let's face it, parents don't raise children these days, screens do. And that's a frightening thing. I mean, That's social disintegration. Well, and, and there's just the obvious thing, which is, for example, you know,
2: pornography being easily accessible to children right now that I think most people would be deeply concerned about.
1: The transformation of porn, um, of, of the way people live, the way young people live, um, is one of the sort of un unrecognized uh, shifts in our society. I think it's because it's kind of embarrassing and sort of yucky to think about. Um, But, you know, certainly when I look at my students in their 20s, they're a lot less um, active (laughs) romantically than I remember myself being. Um, And, you know, this is not just, you know, an old guy um, uh, criticizing the young generation. There's plenty of data showing um, that young people are not as romantically involved. They're marrying less, they're going on dates less, they're having sex less. Um, And... Uh, to me, pornography does very likely play a role in that because it it provides a substitute and distraction from from you know from romance and and the and, and the dance of the sexes, and if we don't have people marrying and forming love relationships and having children, it's the end, <laughs> and we are looking at civilizational collapse, and that's not just hysterical conservatives saying that. If you look at the data, it's shocking how few people in their 20s and 30s are getting married and having kids and doing the things that traditionally have allowed people to live flourishing, happy lives. Yeah, well, first of all, why don't you explain to me how this uh, new social media law works in Utah, and also, you know, the implications. Sure. So um, the social media law largely does, does not two or three things of, of, of significance. It says no social media firm can form any sort of account with a minor without the parental consent. And that doesn't mean just click-through consent. You're just sort of saying, you know, I, I hereby assert and affirm that I am of a, 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 a majority age. Uh, there has to be an independent third-party um verification. Uh, it requires the social media companies to um, give access to ch- minors' accounts to their parents, so parents can see what they're doing. Um, I, you know, to me, that's so vital, because you know, who is who is raising children? It's, it's, it's not really parents, it's not teachers, it's not coaches or clergymen, it's Twitter influencers. And uh, they're the ones that have the ears and souls of our children. And your parents should be able to know about or, that, or TikTok, or TikTok, exactly TikTok influencers, right. exactly. And um, so, um, which you know, in many respects, really means the you know the the Communist Party of China. So th- that's a problem. Um, and 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 Utah said no. Um, parents should have access. We see uh, a tremendous amount of mental deterioration um, among young people. Rates of depression, suicidal thoughts, visits to the emergency rooms because of self abuse. And again, this is not. Hysterical, old conservative. I mean, it's the data. I mean, it's uh, it's remarkable. I mean, close to fifty percent or over fifty percent of women are on some sort of um, antidepressants or 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 um, uh, pharmac- psychopharmacological drug um, in in certain areas in certain high schools, and uh, this this is this is not not good. Um, and one of the big debates in the social science community is you know, is it really social media or is it Sleep deprivation. <laughs> it could be something simple like that um, because we know that social media keeps kids up. So w- what the the Utah statute does is says, look, no social media for kids um, between the ages of, uh, between the times of 10.30 and 6.30 uh, a.m. Uh, and, you know, just like to this day, there's no indecency programming on broadcast television during those hours. Just like curfews are imposed and been upheld by courts um this is the sort of same this is the same thing but in sort of the the internet world as i hear about the man that sounds really restrictive adam yeah um uh i i i guess i mean but it follows from from all sorts of rules that we've always had um as i said curfew rules are uh, hundreds of years old and, and they have been upheld by the courts um children have fewer Fewer First Amendment rights um, than adults. And, um, you know, for instance, um, indecency programming still exists. The regulation still exists for broadcast television. So for those few channels that you get on your cable that are actually broadcast channels, they can't have nudity, They can't say dirty words um, between certain hours of the day. um, And that's to protect children. Um, And I think we as a society, not so long ago, have been quite comfortable with more
0: so we're just we're in the crucible we're we're in the furnace of of modernity and in the continental the continental drift of civilizations as we kind of have to deal now with the catharsis of the technological singularity you know so that we just have this point where human behavior is totally adulterated and deformed by the use of this technology, the ease at which we addict to the urge we have to look on naked, you know, sex pictures on, on our devices, you know. And obviously the lure is there, the human urge is there to reproduce, to copulate, so on. And now the, the technocracy just kind of pipes its overwhelming and ubiquitous enveloping force of unbridled human degradation so we can, you know, online people, I mean pornographers, pornographers are competing to outdo each other with their kind of vile imagery and so we have to wonder what happened to the 85,000 children that just disappeared that's just what they're telling us in a record I mean, where's all the missing children? That's just a record that they're telling us that there's some missing children and a number, you know, but we're talking about missing children to a whole another level here, which is uh, inconceivable. Uh, missing children to the extent that we have no concept of how many of these family units were just the the federal government. I think in this day and age, the federal government, the federal government laundering and facilitating child sex trafficking and human slavery. Just human trafficking, it, 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 just becoming part of the apparatus of Washington D.C. in the hands of neo-Confederates, right? The Democrat Party—they have absolutely no, no uh, soul. They had no qualms about putting the whole nation into destruction over their need to keep slaves, right? That was the Democrat Party, guys. That was the the Confederate South. They had their right to own people was so. Incontrovertible and biblical, right? That they couldn't even be stopped to to you know, over you know listen to the other Protestants, the other Bible believers in their nation. They were telling them that it wasn't working. Right? We had to go to have a, a massive historical slaughter in order to deal with these Confederates. So now, now look, now the Confederates of the South have control of Washington D.C. And they have no qualms being completely uh, bastards of racial contempt. They have no qualms about creating BLM provocateur groups that are there to, in every case, overthrow and threaten civil society with fire and slingshots, you know, ball bearings, knocking out the police, the, the eyeballs of police officers, which are just, the police officers are just you and me. Just your dad and my, my my brother and your uncle and just people that we know and love who are trying to maintain civilization, trying to hold down law and order and do and do the work. And you know, of course, there you know these people are working on different levels as far as the deep state and silicon valley deep state and CCP deep state, right? This whole system of absolute out of control avarice and demonic will to power that's moving America in a direction of catastrophic decline. And uh, all these calculations based on the, the massive debt bubble and the entropy of the Federal Reserve over time was just always designed as a, a massive internationalist banking scheme. So that the, the compounding interest of the nation would accumulate, would accumulate fractional reserve interest rates, fractional reserve banking practices that would uh, ultimately cause us to to find ourselves in the future in this place where it was unsustainable. Because over the, over the course of time, the debt becomes unsustainable unless you pay it off and get rid of it, right? But we didn't. We just went into trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. They're, they're talking about having a a platinum trillion dollar coin. It's really just going to be a fourteen hundred dollar platinum coin. That's how much a, you know an ounce of or coin, a platinum is like fourteen hundred dollars, right, or so. And it's just going to be a, a, a lie. Just like you, you, when you have a one dollar bill, it says it's a dollar. It's a lie. It's like that trillion dollar platinum coin is going to be a lie. Just printed out, fakery and forgery. It's insane. Whoever would take that ridiculous coin in lieu of, you know, one one trillion dollars, whatever ridiculous number it is, is a nut bag, is nuts. That's why the, the BRICS nations are now aligning all across the world and are aligning against the American popular democracy. Because the whole idea here is to get rid of popular democracy and to move in with this totalitarian uh, scheme once again. The, the dreams of totalitarian madmen uh, World War three approaching now and we have to recognize that we don't have the energy supplies we just used up an extraordinary amount of our own weaponry that we need to defend Taiwan we just have the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA I guess the CIA was involved with making sure they could overthrow Trump right that's what all this information all in the work of this whole point of this whole podcast is just to point out that 51 Traders who should be hung by the neck. They have the, po- the power with their... Now they, I'm sure the, these traders we're talking about have still have the ability to go in and with top-secret clearances and stuff, and there's probably no people that could get all of us killed and are getting all of us killed over time here with their treachery. But we have to do what we have to do to, to work as an American people to inform ourselves the freedom to speak, the freedom to publish and print, Freedom to get out different news and opinions and make, make different facts known that are being suppressed, right That's what we're doing here. We make sure that all the information is there. And of course, we love you. We, we love uh, everyone who's free to be an American and American freedom. And, and many, many different religions and, and people and nationalities and, and in faith groups use and belong to American freedom. And could not exist safely outside of American freedom, right? So that's what—that's what American religious freedom is all about. It was always about repelling centuries and centuries and centuries and innumerable innumerable centuries, and centuries more of Roman Catholic religious murder against any group they declare heretical or any any people they decided were were not towing the Christian line or anyone who would not do religious works the way that they, their uh, prelates determined could simply write a letter and have the Inquisition haul you away and you were gone. And so that, that total absolute psychological trauma that was inflicted over the dark ages for so many centuries was finally wiped away and the, the rise of American liberty and political independence and popular democracy was diametrically opposed to the Dark Ages and the Inquisition and and, and Roman Popery, right? So the the idea of building a government for the people and by the people to liberate human rights, well, that liberty was the liberation of humanity from the Roman system. So Western civilization was born out of the Protestant Reformation and the the, the proliferation of knowledge in the Renaissance and the great Great Awakening that arose out of this period of this, this golden age of enlightenment, right? And so even, we even had the period with the, uh, the rise of the Protestant king, which they call the Golden Revolution, right? Orange, William of Orange. I mean, I'm not a, a, you know, an expert on that history, but there was the Orange Order who were Protestant, uh, men of oath who were dedicated to looking out at, looking after the, the, the Protestant people there. But over the course of time you have to recognize that America is ultimately succumbing to all the machinations of our enemies over time. and we're ultimately coming all these this war machinery that was was uh, was being forged long ago and brought to bear and brought to fruition in this age. Same thing with the the debt, the debt weaponry of the Federal Reserve right back in 1913 that was established to ultimately bring american economic power into the grips of european elite nobility and knighthood orders of the pope right and on, on and on so that's what we're going to be dedicated to exposing here in looking glass forum so as we're going forward we have a few more things we want to just present to you and we have just an interesting clip but with robert spencer he usually does jihad watch and does a lot of interesting exposure of um some of the brutality of Islamic extremists around the world, which are, you know, generally a fraction, a tiny fraction of the, the large uh, body and population of billions of Muslims around the world. But some of those extremists uh, and uh, ultimate fundamentalists of Islam uh, are going to ultimately be a force within Islam for as long as Islam exists because they believe they have to ultimately conquer the world. So as we're going forward, let's just take a listen here to the perspective of this modern political conflagration and dilemma that we find ourselves here in America. And we have to be as intelligent as our forefathers planned for us to be and be able to operate within the system that was designed to create human freedom and enshrine within law our political liberty, and which is so necessary for us to uh, be able to practice our faith in so many diverse ways that we choose to. And so when, when we find out that the FBI is now persecuting Roman Catholics, that's, inver- that's pretty problematic. Roman Catholics are powerful in America, and they're wealthy. They're well-educated. And they, they have family values that are second to none. So that their kids are are healthy, intelligent, and uh, you know, champion highly born individuals. You know, that's, that's what Roman Catholicism produces generally by and large. Having other social and other uh, moral, you know, depredations that we don't have to really, you know, that are not generally understood to be socially acceptable values, but failings. So we have to look at the, the ability for this system of ideological, religio-cultic dogma that proclaims itself to be the church of God. And these are, you know, by and large, all around the world, well-meaning people who are, you know, in search of their creator, in search of a relationship with Jesus Christ, and seek the papal system of priestcraft and that paternoster, that system of paternity, which we call all these different priests fathers, which is part of their ritual, we call them father this and father that. And it's, it's because it's under the paternity, the fatherhood of the the Roman bishop and these individuals are all supposed to be non-married with no children in the perfect world. Uh, They're supposed to be, according to the old system of Egyptian and Babylonian sorcery, they're supposed to be only um, held over to the rights of their craft and not, you know, with with marriages, and so therefore unmarried, right? Without, you know, children that they can can put on, on record. And so ultimately this whole system is very unlike everything that we see in scripture and it's against this system that we ultimately are pushing back the system of you know archdiocese all across the world and uh the, you know the system for which constrains the conscience and the moral power of good christians to follow myths and various superstitions uh, superstitions that are unhelpful and destructive to the human mind and the, and do not deliver what what people are seeking which is a close walk with Jesus Christ in order for you to do that you need to open your mind and your heart and, and take a look at the the scriptures of the King James Version of 1611 Texas Receptus as we said and check that out look at the red letters and have that relationship with, with uh, Jesus Christ but understand that you cannot find that that light in the spiritual darkness of the repetitive prayers and the subtle esoteric mystery religion at the heart of, of Roman dogma and canon law. So we just, we urge you to just, to find that in, in all the ages of Europe, Roman Catholicism could not produce democratic, popular government, representative, constitutional government, but that took people who had experienced the dungeons of the perse- persecutions and the flames of the auto- people burned at Auto de Fe. Good Christians and Baptists and Lutherans and Puritans who were destroyed by the accusations. You know, these are hundreds and thousands and millions of people who, are, who perished over centuries. So you have to rec- reconcile yourself with that. These people are not going to turn back to Rome, and you might get some you know, Jesuit infiltrators to get up in, their, in the bishops and go put on their their uh, Orthodox priest' clothes and go in there and pretend like they made peace, and it's, the Reformation's over, but it's not over. Well, the Reformation is just only now, just begun. And the, the, the awakening, the reawakening of American uh, Protestant Reformation here in America is, is, is just in its, in its beginning stages. We fan the embers now. And you're invited by the power of God to join America's tradition of fighting for the liberty and the independence of our religious freedom. But if you're just going to join with the volition of some foreign monarch, like the crowned, uh, the King of, of Rome, who's just the Bishop of Rome. Who's just the, uh, in my view, the antichrist, right? The man of sin, right? If you're ultimately going to just take part in that system of calling him somehow the vicar of Christ on earth, some kind of lie and carrying on with all these Roman holidays, right? Holly days. If you're just going to carry on with that and not recognize the rich tradition of Puritans and Quakers and Baptists and Presbyterians and Lutherans who found their Savior, Jesus Christ, in the scriptures and who didn't have any kind of, you know, provocative Jesuit manipulators going in and out of other people's countries and operating like foreign mercenaries and espionage agent- agents on the behalf of the Pope all throughout the world, right? And that's what uh, the Jesuit order has been doing. Before the CIA was IHS, right? And they were along around just trying to serve the interests of the unlimited, ubiquitous authority, plenary potentiary, right? Plenary powers of the supposed exalted speaker and mouthpiece of God in Rome, right? The unassailable, infallible, the infallibility of the Pope, Ridiculous, right? This, this lofty, pretentious priestcraft trying to lift up their Pharaoh and their Nebuchadnezzar of old, the God kings, the Hierophants of the Egyptian religion, all orchestrated in, in, in the tradition of Neoplatonic ideals amalgamated in the system of Rome and her occult priestcraft an sor- and Egyptian and Babylonian sorcerers, sorcerers, right? That's what you have there carrying that out, carrying out their altar. And now they've just taken Janus and Sybil. Taken Zeus and Jupiter. Right? taking all the all the uh, the old nomenclature out and just renamed all their pagan statues with new biblical concepts like joseph and jesus and mary and all this stuff right so it's still isis it's still the mother of god it's still the mediatrix of all religion and spirituality on earth still associated with the crescent moon and the star right And the moon just like islam still associated with the systems of sublime theosophy like helena Blavatsky, as we were saying so we're going to expose all this to you over time we have a lot of work to go through and uh, we, we can't explicate uh, an encyclopedia in a few moments on a podcast, but we can just start to bring you
3: the information and just do the right way. On at that southern border with Mexico. We're now just two days from the expiration of the Trump era health law called Title 42. It allowed the Border Patrol to turn away migrants at the border. The enactment of Title 42 in 2020 allowed the Border Patrol to expel 2.7 million illegal immigrants. The Border Patrol expects eleven to 13,000 illegal immigrants to breach the border each day in the following weeks. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is down at the southern border and currently deploying a new Texas tactical border force trying to at least slow the crossings of illegal immigrants into Texas. Here's Governor Abbott.
2: So what we are doing is we are deploying today a a new Texas tactical border force uh, made up of elite National Guard who are specifically trained for one thing, uh, and that is to identify areas uh, where illegal immigrants are trying to cross the border and to fill that gap and to repel them, to deny them access to entry into the United States. They can do it one of several ways. Uh, They can physically turn back. Uh, those who are trying to cross the border illegally. Also, they were building uh, immediate Constantino wire uh, border barriers that prevent people from coming across the border. You saw an early iteration of this back in December when you saw long lines of people trying to cross into El Paso. Uh, In a matter of 24 hours, the National Guard built a Constantino wire uh, border barrier and it stopped that inflow immediately. We're using strategies like that up and down the border to identify locations where the cartels are trying to smuggle people across the border and put a stop to it.
3: And please listen to the difference in tone. This time, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas speaking over the weekend from the Rio
4: Grande. I think that there is no question that this is going to be extremely challenging. I do not want to understate the severity of the challenge that we expect to encounter. Uh, the, The border is a very, as I said at the very outset, it is a difficult situation. It requires not only a community of action on this side of the border, but it requires a community of action south of our border. We've been preparing for well over uh, a year. It was in September of 2021 when we first developed a six-pillar plan uh, to address uh, the end of Title 42. We updated that uh, throughout uh, the, the calendar year 2022. So we've been preparing for quite some time, and we are ready. What we are expecting is indeed a a surge Um, and what we are doing is planning for different levels of a surge that is what we do
3: alejandro mayorkas in charge of bringing as many illegal immigrants into the united states as is possible joining us now is the man fighting all of this and more texas attorney general ken paxton mr attorney general great to have you back with us on the great america show
5: well, no, that's exactly right. You you have stated it correctly. This is a government that ignores federal law—not just ignores it, but operates in complete violation and encourages and sends signals to the cartels. Bring as many people to the border as you can, and we'll take them. They don't have to run. They don't have to hide. We will do as much for you as you can bring. So, it, it tells the cartels, you know, they're making eight to twelve thousand a person. Tells the cartels that they can, they can increase their profits if they can just get more people here. So that's what the Biden administration has done. It also signals to the cartels that the border is wide open for drug importation, fentanyl, and the consequences of that obviously are devastating. The Biden administration has, has done everything they can to encourage that and to empower and enrich the cartels to get really
3: good at it. To get really good at it, uh, with the assistance of the Biden regime. Mr. Attorney General, I, I can't say it any other way. The Biden administration, Joe Biden, is an absolute complicit uh, alliance with the, the drug cartels. There's no doubt about it, is there? I don't know what more he could do to
5: help them other than send them money. I mean, they're already making billions of dollars off of his his policies that say, bring them here and we'll take them. You don't even have to hide. There's no running. There's no like, you know, normally these, we, the border people try to sneak across. Not anymore under Biden. It is the cartels have been told just, you know, no sneaking, just efficiency. Get as many people here as fast. It doesn't matter what their backgrounds. Uh, they allow criminals in and they actually are fighting us because we're trying to keep the criminals out. And the Biden administration is no, no, no. We want them to get them here. So it encourages all these countries. To send their worst people to our border, and the Biden administration
3: says, "Please do." And how how do they express that? How are they communicating with uh, with Honduras, uh, with Colombia, with Venezuela, uh, Mexico? How are they making it so clear and and in some way, obviously supporting uh, their transportation from whatever their their uh, nationality. From, from south or central america into mexico to cross the border well i have no
5: idea what they say privately but i do know what what they do with with law and i know that you know trump was very successful at limiting illegal immigration the numbers dropped significantly because he was enforcing the law and so what the biden administration has done is they've They've focused on the things that Trump did well, the, the laws that were enforced, like, you know, Title 42, the Remain in Mexico, stop the catch and release, build the wall. Those things are all eliminated. And so, I mean, Trump sent the message, hey, we're not going to let you do this. Biden said the message, not only are we going to let you do this, we're going to help you. We're on your side. Do it as fast as you can. And we will empower you. You can be as rich as you can, as much as you can do. We will make you as wealthy as you can be. Just get it done. And the unfortunate thing is, obviously, kids are dying, and the cartels are using their resources, which are significant now, to build infrastructure not just in these other countries but throughout the United States so that they can continue this you know, forever.
3: And we know that they will. And a uh, HHS official testifying last week that there are 85,000 children missing, and those are only the children that the agencies and the departments are aware of. 85,000 children missing and no one has made a bust on sex trafficking that I'm aware of uh, of any note in the last 5 years. What if is the, going on? If the Biden administration was was
5: not for that it wouldn't happen. I mean they would they would have kept the, the, the they would be enforcing federal law they would have been they would have looked at what Trump did and said, "Look, this actually works. Look at the numbers." And we all know what's happened to the numbers since Trump left. That within a year, the illegal immigration had increased three hundred percent, It's likely to increase more with title forty two going away. so they were they targeted it. They had said, "What can we do to eliminate the roadblock for illegals, no matter what their background, to come into this country? and And so I have to say, the consequences of that are a lot of bad things that they knew would happen. But in their minds, it's well worth it, whether kids are trafficked, whether uh, sex trafficked or work trafficked, or whether it's kids dying from fentanyl overdoses, they're willing to make that trade to get the consequences that they want, which is more illegal immigration in our states, particularly in Republican states where they're hoping that will cost us a lot and harm us because we're doing so well as, as in comparison to Democratic states, this is a way to hurt us. And second, they're hoping for votes from this
3: well uh, there's no doubt that there is a cost and a high cost but there is one that often isn't uh, measured and that is the damage to the middle class working men and women and their families in this country by bringing in labor that is not only competitive but is undercutting the wages of american citizens the middle class all of the working men and women who aspire to be part of that middle class, and it is an obscenity what is being done to them uh, by the millions. Uh, The the idea that we would sit here and put up with the outsourcing of millions of jobs by corporate America, and now they say, we want more illegal labor, and uh, away go, you know, the spigots open, and here they come. I, I just cannot comprehend what we're, why how they're getting away with it. We all know Alejandro uh, Mayorkas s- sitting in front of committee after committee, the Senate, the House, whomever, lying through his teeth, and he sits there with that smirk and says, you know, I just don't know how, and I don't know why these people are surging across our border right now. He's lying through his teeth.
5: We uh, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I that guy should be impeached. He, he's He's spit in the face of federal law. It's his job to enforce that federal law. And then he gets up there and he lies to the American public and does it with a smile. Hey, there's no crisis. Well, I don't, know how, I don't know how you can look at the numbers that he's looking at. Know the consequences of the increase in deaths from fentanyl. Know the consequences of the increases in crime. Know the consequences that you've lost 85,000 kids and probably a lot more. And know what it's doing to the American worker and that that you know human trafficking and sex trafficking is thriving. I don't know how he can say we're not in a crisis or even that there's at least say that I've got a real problem and, yeah, we haven't done a very good job. No,
3: he just lies and says everything's fine. And I have never known a time when the Border Patrol, the union for the uh, Border Patrol said, uh, point blank, this man, this administration is killing us and won't let us do our jobs. And we have a crisis at the border and everyone in the national media ignores it. Uh, they they ignore the very people who are re- charged with that responsibility to implement uh security at our border uh, it's 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 one of the questions i want to continue to take up with you if i may mr attorney general we're talking with ken paxton the attorney general of the great state of texas we'll continue our conversation about what is mayhem on the border the texas border with mexico we're coming right back We're back now with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. How will you, Mr. Attorney General, be able to stop uh, these illegal immigrants, and to what degree will you be able to stop them, if at all? So We're in
5: many lawsuits. I think the key one, Title 42, is obviously gone because they're ending that whole policy of having an emergency for, for this purpose. Uh, we're, we've got a suit over the wall, but that's only, you know, for what's been appropriated that he hasn't spent that he was supposed to spend. That won't solve the problem. That is actually the long term problem solved. But it's the remain in Mexico. This is how they're using uh, basically uh, this, this little exception that's only supposed to be for political and religious persecution and they're letting everybody just claim asylum and so we're in a lawsuit saying hey you're not following federal law under federal law you're supposed to either detain them or send them back to their country uh, or their contiguous country until they've had their hearing instead they're bringing them all in they say the magic word and then they transport them around the country to the places they want them to be and they disappear and they never come back so if we can win that lawsuit they actually have to enforce federal law My concern is that Joe Biden has no respect, his administration has no respect for what the judges say, what Congress says. He operates independently of a constitutional government. And unless we change presidents, I think we've got a guy that really literally doesn't view the Constitution as a limitation on his power, which means then we don't have a constitutional republic. We have more of a ruling leader, whatever you want to call him, monarch, dictator, whatever. It's more like that than anything we've ever had.
3: I call them totalitarian Marxist Dems because they are the ones who are in charge of this impaired puppet president, and no one should make any mistake about it, folks. Uh, this this president is nothing more than a figurehead at best. He's being told what to do in every instance. He can barely he can barely find his way around. He can barely articulate coherent sentences, and he is doing precisely what he's told. And that administration is being run by a cabal of Marxist Dems who mean to destroy this country. There is no, there's no equivocation about it. There's no ambiguity in any of this. And, and, and Mr. General, when you talk about we, we, if this president were to be re-elected, is your innovation. I don't know if we've got until November of 2024. I really don't. This president has sent money to to nation states, Ukraine. Uh, that was not authorized he has uh, i can't even think of a thing where he has turned a major policy uh, into a legislative proposition before congress and the senate can you i I mean he's for all practical purposes a totalitarian dictator right now yes and if you look at what he's done whether you look at the border that we know as a disaster,
5: um, even though they call it the opposite, whether you look at uh, government spending and inflation, whether you look at what's happened internationally with Ukraine or Afghanistan or Iran, you can't do this much damage to the country unless you're trying to, not this fast. And the fact that he's, you look at everything he's done, none of it is beneficial to the American to, to the American way of life, freedom. And, and, and so all I can do is surmise, this is not some accident. And now, you know, he kind of gets away with it because everybody thinks he's incompetent, but the people behind him do not do not love this country. And they are doing as fast as they can. They're trying to do as much harm as possible, and they, they've done it. They're doing it. And we're, we're unfortunately, we, we, we voted for it, or maybe we didn't. We'll have to, hopefully, someday we'll know the truth of all of that.
3: Yeah. And that's still an open question, no matter what. Uh, the Marxist ends want to say no matter what the Supreme Court and other courts across the land refuse to do Which is to, is to make a decision and a ruling on the facts before them on election integrity uh, it, is, it is true.
0: So we really are going long in this episode and we don't want to take up too much of your time But we just have to have to have to add this little piece by Robert Spencer so good so insightful so really prescient and needed in our current discourse, and as people of faith and of good conscience, and uh, and not like you know esoteric and mystical goodwill of the United Nations, like Lucifer people, but of really of people of really actual organic goodwill uh, uh, and, and as lovers of humanity, uh, and people who are trying to find a way through this kind of malaise and this entanglement. Both foreign and domestic, do we see here um, with the the world internationalist cabal of communists uh, and globalists and the elites and the different permutations and different forms that it takes across economics and geopolitics and throughout the different you know regions of the world, different language barriers, different languages, right? Different areas of of uh, you know spiritual kind of dominion. Uh, around the world ultimately we find that people are in humanity has to survive the cataclysm that the the new AI generation transhumanism and uh, the, the the cyber grid you know smart cities living you know cocooned in a, in a networked um, you know bundle of uh, of cyborgism and we have to recognize that ultimately um, the beauty of many people in America like especially like the Amish, Mennonites and the Quakers who, who've just stopped ultimately conforming with the ways of the world and drawing their their fulfillment out of the work of life and, you know, knitting a sweater. Have you, ever, have you knitted a sweater lately? Have you done anything other than just, you know, tear a hole in it, throw it away and go to Kmart and just be a consumer? And you know, people don't fix, anything, fix things anymore. They don't ultimately repair their relationships. You know, ultimately... These devices are taking us away from each other. And we have to find a way to reconnect and to, to have one another again without this kind of membrane of, as, Heide- as Martin Heidegger called, the, the enframing, the, the technological crystallization and uh, digitalization of our souls. Ultimately, we have to find that, that the the Word of God the expression of God's love and divine grace for us is immutable in, in the world. And ultimately that information, the Bible code, the information is um, something like a DNA, a spiritual DNA for your, for your soul. So if you ultimately just you just stay with the candles and the repetitive uh, incantations of, uh, of Latin sorcery and so on and so forth, you never actually discover the living faith of the, of the risen Lord Jesus Christ having left the the Roman crucifixion and the, the conceit, the arrogance of Rome long behind here on earth, as they kind of pile on their antichrist throne, their occult throne of indignity and, you know, supposed affiliation and supposed authorization of heaven, that the, the divine right of kings and the, the, the divine right of papal infallibility, the, you know, the doctrines of absolute and total Roman supremacy over the whole world, and uh, at, at the the point of their their spears and their crucifixes and their Inquisition torches and their priests, you have to remember that the the Inquisition got so out of control in the hands of the friars that ultimately the Jesuits took that over very very late in in the uh, in, in in history in, in the 16 and 1700s. And ultimately, you know, ultimately the the hands the the control of the Inquisition at dungeons were in the hands of the Jesuits. So you have to keep that in mind. And so as transnational uh, sub-Saharan uh, African slavery it was in the hands of the the British, yeah, you know, the East India Companies, and the British shipping power, naval naval supremacy, and the the naval elites. Right. Ultimately, they they made sure that the 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 slavery. The doctrine of slavery of Islam and of the Roman popes was enforced so just keep that in mind also as we move forward but here I just have to add this fascinating discussion by Robert Spencer.
6: When it comes to a civil war that is exactly what the left is trying to do they are trying to create a win-win situation for themselves and the win-win situation goes like this push the craziest, most extreme, most insane things onto the public. Like who five or ten years ago would have thought, oh, pretty soon there'll be drag queens in first grade classes and you're a bigot and a hate monger if you think there's something wrong with that. And if you object, then you are branded an insurrectionist, And an FBI investigation has opened up against you. And who knows what kind of misery would follow that. So it's a win-win situation for the left. Either we sit back and we take all this, their radical social and cultural agenda, and their radical political agenda, Or else if we fight back, then they will use that as confirmation of their false claim that the right doesn't want a constitutional republic and wants to destroy it and create some kind of dictatorship and crack down on the insurrectionists. So either way they win, whether we act or whether we just sit back and accept it. Now that's the dilemma that they're trying to create. There are all manner of ways in which it might not work out for them But it's useful in this time when we have never been closer since the 1850s and the beginning of the 1860s to a Civil War It's useful to look back at how the first Civil War Began and some aspects of it in order to understand where we are now the Civil War in the first place, if you remember from history, if they taught you this, yeah, they probably taught you this, they taught us this, but the, the younger children don't know anything about any of this. The Civil War began because of a showdown where one side blinked. It might have been avoidable, but both sides were trying to make the other side start the war. And so they could then portray the other side as the aggressor. What happened was various states of the Union, starting with South Carolina, voted to leave the Union. Now, when that happened, did the federal troops pick up and leave those states? No, they became Confederate troops. Almost everybody was in favor, in the states that left, of leaving. And so, the military, the the Confederate Army was formed of Union troops who were in the South, who followed the states into secession. In Charleston, South Carolina, in the harbor, there was a fort. And the state of South Carolina, Fort Sumter, and the state of South Carolina voted to secede In Fort Sumter, the general in command of the fort was named Robert Anderson, and he was from Kentucky, which was a border state. There were some people in Kentucky who were favoring the south, and some favored the north. Anderson favored the north. So he did not have his troops become Confederate troops and the fort become a Confederate fort. It remained a fort in the hands of the government in Washington. Now this created an awkward situation, because it used to be, when it was all one big happy family, the people in the fort, if they needed provisions, would get in a boat and go over to Charleston and buy what they needed. But now they couldn't do that, because Charleston was a foreign country that claimed the fort. So, it became a standoff. The South made it very clear to the new president, Abraham Lincoln, if you send troops, send a boat to give supplies to the troops in the fort. We will consider that an act of war because the fort belongs to us. And Lincoln thought, okay, so I can sit back and take it and let them take the fort because they'll starve out the the troops that are there. Or I can resupply the fort and a war may start. But he decided to resupply the fort because the war would only start if the South fired when he resupplied it. Meanwhile, the South had the same kind of dilemma. They either let them supply the fort and thus acknowledge that it wasn't really theirs at all and that their claim to have seceded was hollow, or they fire on the fort and start the war. So, of course, they fired on the fort. They started the war. And so then, Lincoln could say for four years, we didn't want this war, they fired on us. But he couldn't let them go either, because of the fact that it was a real insurrection, not a January 6th insurrection, and he had the responsibility as president to put down an insurrection. So, both sides were trying to outmaneuver the other in the same way. And we see the left playing the same kind of game today, that they're trying to maneuver us into a situation where we either sit back and take it, or if we fight back, then they use that against us. If it comes to a civil war, though, it would be much worse than the first one. Or if we fight back, then they use that against us. If it comes to a civil war, though, it would be much worse than the first one and we can all hope that it won't because the fact is that in those days there was one very good fact in all the terrible things that happened at that time and that was that there was a geographical division between the two areas of the country that were at so at odds with each other This the the pro-slavery people were all in the southern states and the anti-slavery people were in the northern states And so it was very neat James Buchanan the president before Lincoln as a matter of fact was willing to let the south go and become a separate country and make a clean break And that would have been the end of it Probably would have led to a number of other problems, but that's another story now in the present period there's no such geographical distinction you are living testimony to that because you're here tonight you are generally then probably on the conservative side of the spectrum you probably don't think very much of gavin newsom or joe biden and yet the people who do or at least seem to they they are very much in charge in california So what happens if there's a civil war, California goes with the left side and then what do you all do? And what we're looking at, actually, is that if there is civil war in the United States, as I hope there never will be, then it would be more like the Liberian Civil War, the Civil War in the West African country of Liberia in the 1990s, than it would be like the American Civil War in 1861. The Liberian Civil War was extremely bloody, and it was neighborhood to neighborhood, street to street, house to house. And that's what it would be if it ever came to that. We can hope it will never come to that, but unfortunately I have to give you more bad news, and that is that the divisions in American society now are much greater than they were in 1861. In 1861, Abraham Lincoln could appeal, and he did several times, to the Christian Bible and to Christian principles because he knew that the vast majority of people in the south and the vast majority of people in the north shared that perspective and so even in his in his magnificent it's a it's a rhetorical masterpiece his second inaugural address if you shared that perspective and so even in his in his magnificent it's a it's a rhetorical masterpiece his second inaugural address if you're not familiar with it you should go back and read it it's it's one of the greatest speeches ever given by anyone just in terms of rhetoric but he can't resist giving a little dig to the s- defeated south at that point and said that uh, whether it's really reasonable to think that a just God would want some people to live by the sweat of the brow of other people while they sit back. This is something that uh, can be discussed. But he knew that that was a valid point for him to make because they both had the same worldview, they both had the same framework. Both the North and the South were generally Protestant Christians and they looked at the world in the same way nowadays, that's not remotely true. You have Jews and Christians on the right, Jews and Christians on the left, and the biggest divide is not between Judaism and Christianity or between religion and atheism. It's between the right and the left. And you have right-wing and left-wing believers in all the religious traditions, with one possible exception in Islam, that's another story too, but I've discussed that one enough. The division, if it came to it today, it would be much wider. And there would be, it would be a lot harder for a president of the stature of Lincoln, if we ever have one, to be able to find anything common on which to appeal. We're talking about people with radically different values with a radically different view of the world and Radically different values. I think is nowhere clearer than in the transgender controversy Where one side is saying you are going to drive children to suicide? You are monsters who are not letting people be who they really are And you don't care how many of these children die and the other side says you are the monsters that are mutilating young people and making them think that a life after this kind of mutilation and a life of dependency on pharmaceuticals and being at war with every cell in their body is the way to become their true selves. How can those two positions be possibly reconciled? That's an, as, as William Seward, who was running for president in 1860 and was the front runner, but was su- surprisingly defeated for the Republican nomination by Abraham Lincoln, he said it was an irrepressible conflict between the North and the South. And if that, if that was, this is 10 times more of an irrepressible conflict.
4: After the war,
6: however, the the first Civil War, there was reconciliation. And again, in that great speech, the second inaugural address of Abraham Lincoln, he said that we will bind up the nation's wounds with malice toward none, with charity to all. You have to understand, this is while the war is still going on. It's almost over. It's very clear the South is defeated. But and and actually Grant and Lee have already signed uh, the the surrender of the Army of Northern Virginia, but there are others places where the fighting is still going on. And there are people who are out for revenge who were baying for the head of Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee and the others. and Lincoln is saying with malice toward none and charity to all, it was an extraordinary thing to say, really, after a war. And it was in that same spirit that that the famous and controversial Confederate statues and, con, and military bases named for Confederate generals came about. You'll be happy to know, of course, if you don't know already, that a national commission has determined that uh, any anything involved with the U.S. military, any forts or any statues on military property of Confederates, The forts will be renamed. The statues will be removed. We're going to spend millions of dollars to do this over the next few years. And people are saying that these guys who glorified slavery and led us into a bloody war to glorify slavery, to preserve slavery, they don't deserve to be named, to have military bases named after them and to have statues and so on. But nobody ever seems to stop and ask, why are those statues there in the first place? Why were those forts named for Bragg and Lee and Maxey and all the rest of them? Why did these Confederate generals get this honor of all these things being named for them? The reason was actually National Reconciliation. And it came from a more mature and complex understanding of human nature than most people have today. And I see this in young people all the time. And this is what they're taught in the schools. That Robert E. Lee, oh, he fought for the South. He owned slaves. Oh, he was evil. Period. 100%. Black or white, that's it. That kind of point of view actually prevailed at the time that the war was ending, and this is what Lincoln was arguing against. Do you know? Uh, have you ever anybody ever been to Arlington National Cemetery? Yeah, a lot of people. Where where uh, the military has the uh, graves of some of the great generals, some of the great uh, political figures of the of the American of American history. And of course, so many soldiers are buried there. Do you know that it's Robert E. Lee's front yard? It was taken from him at the end of the Civil War as an act of vengeance. That he had led the South into this led the South in this war. They were now going to put the graves of all the soldiers on his front lawn and make it a cemetery and rub it in. In the 1930s and 1940s. The American government actually agreed to name Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg, and Fort Hood, Fort Hood, and all the rest of them after Confederate generals. They were not doing it because they were racists and loved slavery. That's the line now. That all this was really because these people secretly wanted the South to win. And they hated blacks. And so they wanted to name these pe- these these monuments and forts after these Confederates because they were Confederate sympathizers. That is not the case. That's not what happened. In many cases, the impetus for these names came from people in the North. These things were done because... In those days people understood that you could have a general like Robert E Lee and he could have many great noble qualities of courage and dignity and heroism and still be a flawed human being If you want to have a statue of an unflawed human being you're not going to you can't have any statues And ultimately if you want to play the cancel game you're going to cancel everybody because everyone has various flaws. And this was known in the days when the statues went up. And it was understood that they could say, we can praise the good qualities of these people without affirming that that means that we think they were right about the war or about slavery. And this will bring the nation together. Now, of course, what they're doing now in tearing them all down Is trying to tear the nation apart Not just by tarring these people as 100% evil because they fought for this cause that was fighting for what is inarguably an evil but also because then They can make us all ashamed of our culture and heritage in general whether you are from the north or from the south, or whether your family came here after the war, you had nothing to do with it whatsoever. It's part of American history. It's part of who we are as Americans. And the reconciliation that is manifested in the statues is part of who we are as Americans and so to tear it all down is to say no to be an American it's a bad thing in itself it's evil in itself and you should have nothing to think of in your past and your cultural and political national heritage other than shame because there is no good in America and once they have taught a whole generation about that then Who's going to want to defend the United States if it were attacked? And so it's a very it's a it's a very clever scheme. You've got to give them credit. They've thought it all out very carefully, planned it all out with incredible precision. But the idea is now widespread among young people that America is some uniquely evil entity when actually America has been a uniquely remarkable, Beacon of human rights in the world. This is why those of us who are the children of immigrants Came here, why our families came here Because of what America is so the idea ultimately Is to make America more easy to tear down And this of course is not just limited to Confederates. I started with the Confederates because nobody really wants to defend them